bit camera shy. Um, I am fine. I, I think I've done it before. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then also just want to remind everyone that if they would like to uh, get an article published on realosophy.com on behalf of the Brute Club, uh, reach out to me or Alex. I think there's going to be a, another firm tank giveaway here at the end of the year, and I got to get all those details nailed down. But um, I think that's good. Um, do we know who's meeting next month? I never quite confirmed that with anybody else. Who, who are going to have? Or are we still working that out? Alex, do we have somebody yeah. lined up? Yeah, we're going to have somebody from the board of the Master Homebrewer Program. So, right. So, join us next month, and we'll have someone from the Master Homebrewers Program uh, come and chat with us about what they're doing for competing and stuff like that. It's actually kind of a neat program, and if you are a paid member of the Brew Club, you get a discount on that. Uh, go ahead, Haven. Talk about Average Brews. Oh, shit. Sorry. I'm not ready. Okay, there we go. All right. Never mind. <laughs> Our next Average Brew is out. I can't believe we're already uh, in quarter three of 2023. That's kind of hard to believe how fast this has been flying by. Um, so we're currently collecting data on alt beer. Uh, that's kind of a, a unique style that I haven't brewed before. Or, I mean, really struggle to find it even in the wild um, on a commercial side. So I'm really excited to brew those. I think it's going to be fun to listen to those guys uh, talk about it on the podcast. I think we have a little bit something special to talk about, too, regarding our alt beer and Martin. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so get your votes in. I think I think most of uh, Alex and Will, I think we both uh all of us have our stuff in, but I'm not sure, Daniel or Craig, if you've submitted your uh, your data for that, too. So um, go for that. That'll be a lot of fun. And also, we have a website for the Brew Club. I don't know if any of you guys have visited that or checked it out, but kind of keeping up on just club happenings, meetings. We have a recipe database there that we're happily taking recipes to. And... Um, David has actually been working on a blog section of that, too. So, Craig, your article is actually the first one that we posted on there uh, with your, um, that was the New Zealand Pills with Colm, where you did all those kind of breakdowns, all those cool pictures of, like, how you stored it and how you bottled it. Uh, so that was kind of our test article to get up on that thing and uh, and see how it looks. So if anyone has any fun educational articles if you want to go through a style or a little experiment that doesn't quite fit the brew club uh experiment series uh you're more than welcome to get one on the brew club website and we'll we'll post it for you and get some stuff going so david will be sharing a link about that um within the next couple of days that's all i got uh alex anything you want to share about learned brewers or any swag that's in the works or anything like that you're muted. Tagline of the century. Yes. <laughs> All right. Maybe that'll work. Yeah, I think everybody in here is a learned brewer, so I don't need to do a spiel for that. But uh, yeah, I think in later in August, we're going to have our next set of glassware coming in. Uh, yeah, I think uh, we'll have a form for people to fill out for that, uh, I assume two or three weeks from now, so keep an eye out for that. It's a design from our very own Ryan Mack. It's very classy uh, Willie Becker glassware that says the Brew Club on it and blue font. So, yeah, that's all I got. Cool. Well, uh, 
at risk of making him sound like someone who's up his own hat ass, let me introduce master inventor and host of the philosophy show, Martin Keene, who's giving me a face right now. <laughs> well, I thought we, we agreed on this. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it anyways, because I think it's hilarious to call you a master inventor. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you for letting me guys that uh, you guys letting me join the, the brew club stuff. You know, my first uh, experience of the, the brew club existed was the article that got published about brewing using parade. I don't know if anyone in this call was involved with that, but that is freaking genius. And I'm thinking about <laughs> trying to uh, replicate that in one of the videos, actually. So, so where is the? Uh, I know we talked about like a will it brew series. Like, uh, is there is there some traction on some of that? I know I think you've done one video, maybe. That's right. So yeah, I've only done one. Um, but we talked about yeah, we want to do some more, uh, especially if you're brewing with something unusual, sort of an unusual ingredients. So the one that I did. It was really like a graph. So it was, we replaced all of the brewing water with cheap store-bought apple juice. So it wasn't a cider, it was a beer. I mean, I did a mash and everything, but whenever there was water, there was just orange juice. Uh, apple, yeah, was it orange juice? Yeah, orange juice. No, apple juice. Apple juice, that's right. It was, it was apple, apple juice. juice uh, with the mash, and then, um, yeah, just to see what, see what would come out of it. Uh, it was... That's an interesting one, but I, I'm definitely looking for more inspiration for more, more of those. That was quite popular. So I love the Powerade idea or something like that, some kind of energy drink. And then, um, yeah, anything else as well. But, and, and, and we really want to try and get a sort of a will it brew series of just brewing nonsense to see if, see if fear will come out of it. That, that's amazing. So um, I, I'm sure a lot of people have heard your journey. Uh, and I know people have heard about how you got probably involved with the Brosley show, but like um, what actually got you into brewing to begin with and not just making YouTubes about brewing? Right. So, um, yeah, so sort of my background, just to work, I guess, backwards is, I mean, I'm a philosophy contributor like, like Will now. Um, in February, I was sort of brought on to launch a YouTube channel for philosophy. So the idea was, can we come up with some kind of video version of philosophy that would complement the articles and the blog posts and all that sort of thing. Um, so we've been doing that since February, six months of, of videos almost now. Prior to that, uh, I had a separate YouTube channel called The Homebrew Challenge. And the, the stick with that was to brew 99 beers in 99 weeks. So I started with uh, Style 1A, American Light Lager. And then every week, for 99 weeks, so basically two years, I would brew the next beer in the BGCP guidelines until I got through till the end, um, through to the historical styles. And each week I would put out a video of the of the beer and bring in a taster, we'd try it out, share our comments onto the next one and just kept recycling through that. Um, which was, it, it was like a really fun, That's kind of cool now. Like people are watching the videos, and I've got some stuff like that. This is cool. Then it gets to eighteen months, and like this is the worst decision I've ever made in my life because I still have another eight, you know, another X number of beers to brew. Um, but yeah, that was that was interesting. And once it started to pick up, I couldn't really stop because there were people watching at that point, and it was like, oh, I'm doing ninety-nine beers in no time. So I couldn't really have a couple of weeks break. Um, 
prior to that though the thing that sort of got me into brewing was um i had a, another youtube channel before that called homebrew how to and the idea of that channel was we were just doing initially extract brewers best kits um and i thought hey, it'd be kind of fun to put some videos out about that there's not a lot of people doing videos about brewers best kits and then eventually moved into all grain and put out a video um but the problem was the channel was called homebrew how to which implies some level of competence but there was no level of competence whatsoever um so it turns out that people on youtube are not afraid to tell you if you're doing something dumb and uh, it kind of worked out quite well so as long as you don't mind being called an idiot three ways from sunday which happened frequently you actually get a lot of good feedback like specific feedback on your own brew day so you do something and people will be like dude why are you mashing at that temperature do you know anything about this do you know anything about that so i ended up learning quite a lot through just putting out very random stuff on the internet and uh, letting letting brewers tell me what i was doing wrong so um yeah that's how it all started that was probably five six years ago so, so just brewers best kits and random feedback on YouTube led to a whole wildly successful homebrew challenge YouTube channel, and now the Brewlosophy Show. That's pretty fantastic. Um, and yeah. It's funny. Um, it's funny having Martin being called an idiot though, because because in case you didn't know, Martin actually works for a very large tech company and holds over three hundred patents. So, uh, furthest thing from an idiot. Although I'm sure he's dumb about some stuff. Well, what's, what's fun is um, for my day job, I work at uh, a tech company and we have a, a YouTube channel at the tech company, which I am a guest presenter on. So I'll present on some some IT topics. And um, I shared this with Will. Sometimes sometimes the worlds collide, right? So I'll be talking about, I don't know, random forest machine learning algorithms. And in the comments section, there'll be somebody like, hey, why is my beer brewer talking about random forest algorithms? And uh, this happens very frequently. It's become a bit of a running joke at work that uh, almost every video, someone will be like, oh my God, the beer guy knows about computers as well. <laughs> it's a strange combination of worlds colliding. And, and that's actually really awesome to me because one of my favorite videos that you did was the large language model recipe design with the chat GPT designing the recipe. So that, that was one of my favorite models. And, and the fact that you taught me what a hallucination was. <laughs> so we're revisiting that um, in a couple of weeks. There's a new series of videos coming out. Um, when, when I did that initial video, that's like the first video I ever filmed for philosophy. Uh, I think I did it in like November or something like way, way back. And the, the large language model, ChatGPT hadn't even come out at that point. So this was using a precursor to it. Uh, so I'm revisiting that now. Um, I don't know if anybody's familiar with the Meme Brews YouTube channel with, uh, with Matthew. He, um, he'll he take a, a recipe and he'll go out and find like 15 to 20 award-winning versions, commercial versions of that recipe, find out what the ingredients are. And then he will generate a, a mean brew of it, which is to say an average version of that so what is the average malt bill what is the average uh, fermentation temperature all that sort of thing um and the outcome of that is kind of a sort of a, a recipe that combines all of the, the good recipes you know together and he's won a ton of competitions doing that so i thought it would be kind of fun that i challenge him to a beer style he comes up with his mean brews recipe and i brew it and then i ask 
the new version of ChatGPT, ChatGPT4, to give me a recipe for that same style. And then we take it to a like a beer tasting panel. So I'm I brewed both beers, the ChatGPT beer, the Mean Brews beer, and um, I have a panel lined up in a couple of weeks of professional brewers who are going to taste both beers and not be told that one is developed by AI and one is developed by an award-winning beer brewer and uh, see which one they prefer. And um, just for an extra twist, I'm also going to send Matthew uh, three cans of beer, kind of brewlosophy triangle style. Can I identify his beer? It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. And I guess that's as good time as any to lead into the collab that we're talking about with a, a hive mind kind of thing going on. Yes, yes. So I would, um, Will and I have sort of been talking about what can we do with the brew club. I'd love to do some brew club collaborations with the Philosophy Show, and. We sort of thought about how we could combine the collective wisdom of the brew club to create a recipe and then compare it to just me creating a recipe where I make like a very simple version of the recipe. And we do some kind of similar thing where we'll then compare the two recipes to somebody who is outside of all this blind and having to favor it. So I think we're going to try and do something with your next average brew, which sounds like old beer. Sounds like delicious to me. Um, I'm not sure if you're, fa- are you a fan of alt beer, Martin? I can't say I've had too many of them. Probably the only one I've had was the one that I made for the 99 challenge. <laughs> so we actually have a local brewery. You talk about how hard it is to get alt beer. We actually have a local brewery that they have an alt beer fest every year where they'll have four versions of alt beer on tap. Wow. And, and it's amazing. I, I'm in total heaven because it's like Amber Lager and Amber Ale are like my my sweet spot. And it's just total heaven. Um, so uh, Haven wants to know if you've ever tried brewing another Rauk beer since the 99 Brew Challenge. <laughs> this became a bit of a running joke. So, um, yeah, the smoke beer, the Rau beer. Uh, <laughs> um so, so something to say about these these beers that I was doing on the 99 week challenge, right? A lot of the times it would be a beer style that I'd never brewed before, or and sometimes like the Rao beer, a beer that I'd never even tasted before. And I was very much in a time crunch coming up with a lot of recipes, you know, very frequently. So I would spend not an awful lot of time researching these beers and just try to put together a recipe, which actually became quite funny because. Uh, I ended up partnering with a local homebrew store in where I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, Atlantic Brew Supply, and they started giving me ingredients in exchange for my recipes. So you can go to Atlantic Brew Supply and every beer in the 99 Beer Challenge, uh, they have a like a recipe kit and you can just buy the recipe kit um, as though I'd spent, you know, 15 iterations perfecting each one where actually it was just me like oh shit i've got to brew a rail beer tomorrow i've got to come up with a recipe now um so for my rail beer i ended up using cherry wood smoked malt and i used 95 percent cherry wood smoked malt because i saw some article somewhere that said that's how much you could use as a maximum and i was like right let's just go all in and 
I ended up looking on the maltsters website and they said do not exceed more than 30 percent of the grist the, the cherry would smoke malt I didn't realize that till afterwards the brewed the beer it came out like this muddy brown disgusting and uh, that was the only beer that was tipped after the tasting like you just the, you would pour it and the whole room would smell like a bonfire it was incredible so I've never revisited that style uh but actually is it will is it is are you doing a smoky beer I think you're working on a smoky beer are you not uh, I love rock beer it's like one of my favorite styles so yeah I'm, I'm working on one right now I got a couple of smoke things going on at the moment yeah yeah so I can see how it's done properly now because I I, there were a few beers in that in that 99 that were smoke based. Uh, I forget one of the stars that's smoky and sour at the same time. Yeah, like the Niner, yep. Yeah, right. Yes. And that one was kind of palatable once you got over the initial shock of what the hell am I, am I drinking here? Um, and actually we ended up quite enjoying that one but the rabbit was the absolute worst the worst of all 99 beers i always say was the rabbit but that's not because of the style that's because of the way i brewed it i think can't blame the style that i i love hearing that because like some of the worst rock beers i've ever had were like m weird malts that uh somebody used way too much of like wireman beachwood smoked malt you could go 100 percent, and they may taste like ham but at least it's like edible ham Whereas some of these other um, smoked maltsters, it's it definitely like goes over the top quick, so quick. <laughs> well, I, I, I should have known I was in, uh, on the, the wrong path. Because when I went to the homebrew store to pick up the ingredients I needed, like 10 pounds of cherry wood smoked malt. And they had it in this three pound container for the entire store. Uh, so I was like, well, uh, I'm going to need a little bit more than this. And they ended up bringing out the entire bag, the whole sack out for me. That should have been the clue that this was a bad idea. Um, so you, you used a phrase earlier, and I, I see some other questions, but I have to ask this now. And you, you said tipping. And so for dumping your keg, you said tipping. So obviously you're not from uh, the U.S. of A. So, so why don't you tell us where you're, you're originally from here, Martin? <laughs> dumping the keg. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I'm originally it's from you're, you're tipping it. Tipping it. I was tipping it out. That's right. Uh, yeah, I run into the, I've been in the U.S. for nearly 20 years, and I still just run into stuff like that where I didn't realize that that was a Britishism, or Englishism, Anglicism. I don't know. Uh, so you don't tip out your kegs? Do you dump out your kegs? Is that right? Yeah, I dump, I dump my kegs, but but I, I love it, so keep it up. Just do it. <laughs> it's the reason I watch Doctor Who's to get all the funny things. So where where in England are you actually from? So I'm from uh, Southampton, so that's south coast of england uh not famous for a lot there's a premier league soccer team there well there was they got relegated uh and it's where the titanic launched from so kind of famous for a sinking ship but that's about it i mean you know let's, let's hope that it doesn't carry over into anything else um and and did, you went to school in the uk or did you go abroad for university as they would say no everything in southampton so i was in southampton um then i got my job at my tech company uh, little little ways from Southampton, not far, um, in a place called Winchester. And then they moved me over on a temporary assignment for a two-year assignment to Raleigh, North Carolina. I had never even heard of North Carolina as a state, um, but they sent me over there. Uh, the first night I got here, um, the somebody bought me tickets to a country music concert, a Toby Keith concert. I'd never heard of country music either. 
so I went to this country music concert um, and everywhere it's like just like pickup trucks and confederate flags and stuff like that and I said like, oh okay so this is North Carolina and then it turns out it's not like North Carolina is in the south but it's actually nobody from North Carolina lives in the Raleigh area it's just like everyone's from India and northeast and like stuff like that so it turns out that's been a very representative uh example of north carolina but that yeah that's a two-year assignment uh i ended up staying becoming a citizen um I'm never gonna go back to anyone because it's way better here okay so i have to ask this question um so so when you had like uh keggers back in uh university days or whatever were you using cascales or were you uh <laughs> Keggers, yeah, yeah, right. You get the hammer and you like. Yeah, uh, I just have to know. Um, it's it's funny. Like when I go back to to England now, I absolutely love the the real ales, the cast scales, and and um, just how many little local varieties of tiny little brewers there are, and they all have their own ESBs, uh, English IPAs, English English Goldens, stuff like that, and I love it. But when I lived in England. Uh, I used to drink, yeah, Budweiser and all these American beers because that was the fancy import. <laughs> I didn't really appreciate all the, the really wonderful English stuff that I absolutely love now until I ended up uh, moving to the US. So, so you weren't like a huge like uh, you know real ale movement kind of guy back in back when you lived in England. No, but uh, the, I mean, beer culture in England is pretty prevalent and uh, so the tech company i worked at had their own pub on campus operated by the company so you would go down to the, they called it the clubhouse and they had uh, three or four real ale beer engines there and you just go down for lunch and you'd have your like bangers and that and uh, a couple of pints of beer and then just like walk back to the main building and carry on working and i just because that was my first job, I just assumed that everywhere was like that, and it was it was a real uh, disappointment to learn that not every location had their own company-operated pub. And <laughs> on on Fridays, it was really the thing that you would definitely go to the pub on Fridays and have a beer. And I mean, some of these guys they they'd been at, at the company for like thirty years, and they would go to the pub, they would knock back three pints, and a pint in England is twenty ounces, so these are like yeah, sizable pints, right? Three pints, and then they'd have to come back to their desk and sit at their desk for three hours doing no work just to sober up so they could drive home. And this was entirely normalized. Um, so then coming to the US, I'm like, oh, it's Friday, should we go to the pub? And everyone's like, what? No, like, you can't come back into the office if you've had any alcohol. What are you thinking? I mean, you can, yeah. but, uh, you know. And for the record, I've been I've been to other obscure places south of London, like Horsham. So, yeah, oh, nice. there's nothing there. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry, England's a lot of nothing, uh, but lots and lots of little villages and towns and stuff like that. So, um, the campus that I worked is a huge campus. There were I think about three thousand of us that worked there, and it's in a village with one post office. And two pubs. It's like there's nothing else there apart from that. So it's very typical of the UK. That's amazing. Um, so how long into um, homebrewing did before you did it take you to go from extract to uh, all grain? That's what Craig Graham wants to know. Yeah. Um, so I I started out 
uh, brewing on the kitchen stove, just doing kind of three gallon batches and did a lot of those. Like I probably tried every brewer's best uh, recipe that they had in the homebrew store. Must have easily done 20, 30 batches. Uh, but my wife had complained for some reason that apparently like boiling malt extract on the stove is making the house smell, which I think is ridiculous, but so be it. Uh, so I got kicked out and told to do any brewing in the basement. Uh, so we have this unfinished basement that was just like full of lawn mowers and stuff like that. Um, and that became my um, brew space and it wouldn't make the house smell because there was a door in it. And then, then it's like, well, if I have this brew space, I might as well switch to all grain. So probably probably about a year and now if you come down into my unfinished basement um you know there's a glycol system and four stainless steel fermenters and if you've seen any of the brewers to show you i guess you've seen it uh, i have uh, i have cameras everywhere like if we come to sell the house there's going to be questions asked about what went on in martin's basement because i have cameras hanging from the wall permanently mounted so in the brewing space i have four cameras there's an overhead camera there's two on the side, there's uh, two in the front, one on the side. And then there's a second set where I taste the beers, where there's another bank of cameras facing you, another overhead camera, um, and then these big softbox lights all over the place as well. So it's a very strange looking space now. Um, but because I'm brewing, making frequent videos and doing it all myself, there's like there's no camera operator. I've just sort of had to try to automate the entire space and um, make it so I can just like turn on a few buttons, everything's recording and uh, record myself as easily as possible. So yeah, so it's a strange little area now. And I've, I've invited a few people in to help me with like collaboration brew days and stuff like that. And everybody's like, this is a very weird spot. This is way smaller than I thought it would be. And um, why are there so many cameras? But I have a totally legit reason for it. Uh, YouTube and porn producing. I like it. Way to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Bro bro brothel or brewery. There's there's the comment there. Brothel or brewery. <laughs> uh, you decide. We're gonna we're gonna go around with our new YouTube channel called Brothel or Brewery with Martin, and we're gonna like go into people's basements and figure out if they're a YouTuber or uh, a brothel. Well, what what got weird um, was so when I joined Brewlosophy, like. This was a big change in the drinking side of things, right? Because normally I would prepare my beers and I would just have like a family member come down into the basement or a friend and we just them and I would be on front of the camera tasting the beer. You know, we like it, don't like it, whatever. Once I'm once I'm to philosophy, now you're talking about data collection. So I need to get 20 different people to try the beers. So um, for the first one, I thought I'm going to do this in the basement and record everybody doing the tasting because we've never recorded data collection before and it'd be kind of interesting. So I had to get people to come down to my basement and try the beers. Well, I got through family, friends and neighbours pretty quickly and I still hadn't got to 20 people that were willing to come. So then we, did, we posted a link out on um, this neighbourhood next door and just said, hey, anybody interested in trying some beers for a, a brewing website? Uh, if so, come to this address um, and come down into this guy's basement. And then, I, then we sort of posted it and then we're like, actually, that doesn't sound very good. 
like come to this stranger's basement and try his homebrew with cameras everywhere. Um, and but amazingly, people did. Like people had no idea who they were. They were like from the neighborhood, and they would come down and they would try the beers, and then they would leave, and the next ones would come down. And I got my twenty through that. Um, but it, it, yeah, they never came back, so I had to come up with a different way of data collection. So yeah. Uh, I've been tempted to post on Nextdoor, but like there's some really creepy, crazy shit that happens on Nextdoor that I'm like, I don't know that I really want these people in my home. <laughs> the other, yeah, I mean, the other thing Will I thought about doing was setting up on my driveway because there's a lot of people just like taking a walk and whatever, dog walkers and whatnot. And like, could I just get 20 people by standing on the driveway for a couple of hours with a table with some cups laid out and try to look a bit more legitimate? Maybe put a philosophy shirt on uh, instead of people coming into the house. But I haven't tried that yet. Well, get you a van with no mini blinds. It's like totally blacked yeah. out, and that—that's really the trick. And then have like ice cream or candy written on the side, and, and nobody would be suspicious at all. That's that's what I need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With with the cameras as well. Cameras in the van. You know. Yeah, cameras in the van uh, with mini blinds. You need mini vines on the windows. It'll be perfect. <laughs> oh, part man. of the science, you know. Oh man. Uh, so after the, uh, the, the homebrew challenge and philosophy and all that stuff, are there, are there any styles that you kind of discovered and continue to brew more regularly because of all of that? That's yeah, what the whole reason wants for, to know. The whole reason for starting the homebrew challenge was I was just brewing the same old shit over and over. So, um, the sort of the styles that I really liked, Belgian triple was probably my favorite. Then like a lot of the English styles, um, some of the hoppy stuff are not too hoppy, so I like flavor American pale ale. Um, and then I really like dry Irish stout, especially putting that on nitro. And what I was doing was brewing those four or five beer styles on repeat over and over again. And my once a month brewing became once every two months to once a quarter kind of thing, because it was just like, well, I already have enough beer around the house. For me, I'm the only one drinking it. Uh, oh, let's do the ESB again, you know, and it was just a real rut. So that's that's what inspired the, the 99 Beer Challenge was to say, right, there are so many beer stars out there and, and even the 99 is not everything. So let's at least start with those. And that, that had me discover all sorts of beer. Um, and so since then, yeah, I've been a bit more adventurous in, in the beer stars I brew. Uh, is there a style that you brew for your wife specifically? I know she occasionally makes appearances. Yes. So we have a tradition uh, for a birthday beer. Um, so she likes ports and stouts generally, but uh, she will give me a laundry list of stuff that it needs to be. So the, the last one, this went out on the, the philosophy show, was habanero stout. So it had to be uh, stout with habanero peppers, which I ended up putting into the keg. And then... She wanted it to be on nitrate to be a bit creamy, and then she wanted cacao nibs as well. So it ends up just being like this big laundry list. The time before, I think I was using uh, PB2, the peanut butter powder, trying to coat a peanut butter porter. So yeah, she she generally go for those sort of darker beers and with a ton of adjuncts and all sorts of nonsense going on. So those are those are kind of fun. Um, but then then it becomes like birthday beer and no one else is allowed to try it so we still have her birthday was in march and we still have the birthday beer because she's not allowed to drink it yeah. but so are you, you know 
Are, are you like me where you're like literally like just trying to come up with uh, it's like I want to I really want to brew this style. What what kind of experiment or show or whatever the crap can I do to squeeze this style into my brew schedule? <laughs> right. That's right. Um, yes. That's right. <clears throat> so you're sort of trying to come up with excuses for why you should brew this and this. I mean, especially with like the Hop Chronicles, like, you know, it's like it's going to be a pale lager. It's going to be a pale ale. Uh, the only difference is the hop that you're going to stick into it. So there's not much you can do with that. But with the experiment stuff, you, there's a pretty, pretty wide choice. You know, once you figure out what your variable is going to be, it's a pretty wide choice of beer styles that you can apply it to. So I will apply it to something that I wanted to bring in the first place. Yeah. No, it's rough too. Like I, I've definitely run into where like I would probably brew this beer differently, but that would probably affect the variable, and that kind of sucks. <laughs> right, right. And of course, so the other thing um, that I found now, especially with philosophy, is because I'm brewing. Sometimes, or for every experiment, you brew two batches of the same beer, and you always brew five-gallon batches. Because the homebrew challenge, I was brewing three-gallon batches. I, I cottoned on pretty quickly that if I'm brewing every week, I did not want five gallons of beer to dispense of each week. So I have a tremendous amount of beer now, and I don't know what to do with it. Well, you get tipping, buddy. I need to. I have to tip it. That's right. I don't want to tip it, but sometimes I have to tip. It. I only have so many kegs. I only have so much storage for. Uh, I realize that I need a bigger storage space to keep the beer cold because I can store nine kegs cold, but it's not enough. It's not enough. So, so do you have like a, a keyser that you're using, or do you just have like a random freezer hanging out, chest freezer hanging out? Like, what's your what's your beer storage oh, yeah. dispensary setup? Yeah, so I have a, I have a, um, a keyser with a collar that will fit six kegs in it. Um, and then that's kind of an interesting setup because I have a, when we moved into our house, we were like, okay, we're going to get a house with a basement because I've never had a basement before. And in the basement will exist an English oak bar. That was like the first thing. So we, uh, we ended up hiring this carpenter guy who built for us from scratch this 10 foot oak bar and installed it in our basement. Um, it's beautiful. I love it. And the thing is, though, the all of the beer stuff is in the unfinished basement, which is behind the wall behind the bar. So what I ended up doing was drilling a hole between those between the bar through that wall into the unfinished basement, running some insulated tubing from the keyser into the finished space of the basement and then put four beer taps in through there. So. It's kind of cool that you can be at the bar and pulling drinks and the kegs are actually somewhere out of sight. It's really annoying, though, because <laughs> if you like, oh, I just need to check the, uh, you know, clean the keg or I need to turn up the gas or something like that. I have to pull the keg handle and then run around like 30 steps to get behind the wall now to, to change the keg or to up the pressure, run back, see if it's worked and go forth, back and forth like that so um didn't really think that through but yeah that's that's the setup is like a proper english oak bar and uh, serving the base from that i'm sure it looks badass though like it's gotta look pretty cool yeah it's fun it's fun and then it's like oh well it started off let's just put one tap there so it was literally one tap and then it was like well you can easily change from one tap to two with the same um you know the same stands 
And then it's like two is really not getting it done. Let's move to four. So I'm at four at the minute, and one of those is an optional nitro attack. So that's pretty cool. But like I say, I have nine beers on, you know, available normally at any point. I just don't have enough space to store them. And then I would really like a beer engine, you know, with car scale and stuff, or at least coming out of a keg. So that might be the next thing. I would love for you to do cascale experiments. That that sounds amazing to me. Right, proper with a proper cask instead of doing it in corny cakes as well. Um, but I think you have to drink it real fast if you do that. I think the the cask can last a, a couple of weeks. Uh, Daniel, did you have something new to ask? Go ahead, buddy. So this might be a hard question, but I'll go for it here. I also like dark beers, brown beers, porters, and stouts. But I don't like a lot of stouts because it's too dark. And um, I was told that uh, I was telling someone that I don't like coffee because the roast and it's too dark and I don't like the taste of coffee. And they said the difference between a porter and a stout is more of how long or how dark the grain is um, roasted. So I was wondering what ingredients should i stay away from and what should i go more towards even though i like dark beers not too dark too roasted yeah so for me i mean i'm, I'm kind of similar i don't like i i do enjoy coffee but i don't really like the super dark um like imperial stouts and stuff like that very much necessarily my favorite kind of style like that is english porter because you get the roastiness but it's not too much so i'm just looking up my recipe for that so yeah my my english porter is the base pot for that's marisata which is just you know always a good start for any british beer but then i just have a mix of brown malt crystal 45 and then just a touch of chocolate malt and that's enough to get the srm to be dark enough okay uh let's see i'm not sure what, what the srm of that is but it's not it's not huge. Uh, my SRM color is 23. It's kind of a deep brown, I guess. But with that, then you just get those really nice porter notes without too much of a roastiness. Okay. All right. Thanks. I'll give him a second on pursuing English porter because English porter is delicious and it's not over mm-hmm. the top on ABV or the roastiness. And it's it's really just solid beer i also don't find irish stout to be too roasty when you do it well right um, that's right um yeah irish stout is good and and of course if you put it on nitro that just gives it that creamy creamy texture to it as well which i really enjoy so that sort of balances out the roastiness as well okay let me see over here and see what other questions people have or if i have to make something up there's a lot of fun comments about um uh vans and uh dispensaries <laughs> um so uh well, I can't ha- see the comments, huh? Uh if you're on the phone app it's a little more difficult. But if you um how many kegs do you have? I'm I'm actually curious about this. Uh I'm not sure. I I have a lot. Probably something like fifteen, but they're not all operational. You know, I've got the keg with the broken post or the broken PRV and uh, or the the mysterious leak that I've not been able to figure out what it is, that sort of thing. So something like fifteen. Maybe 10 operational. Uh, I think we're about on the same page there. I'm somewhere between 10 and 15, but most, I think, I think most of mine are operational minus one or two. But I, I, I have some of those old, um, 
pinlock kegs that I changed the posts all to be ball lock on. And and that's a great way to make all your stuff operational. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I just I, I started with ball lock, so they're all ball lock. But um, I, I, I used to just buy the cheapest keg I could find at the homebrew store. And you know, they're pretty battered. And some have lasted really well and some have just like, garbage. cannot figure out what the leak is, you know. All right, I see some hands raising. Uh, Gary, you're on top of mine, so why don't you ask yours? Cool. Yeah, um, just wondering how much research you did into each of the styles before you started brewing them. Like, how far in advance were you doing your planning and and reading about it and that kind of thing? Right, so um, the, the whole production thing of the, the Homebrew Challenge was kind of interesting because, yeah, I, I had to put a video out each week. So if you work backwards from there, um, I hadn't sort of realized the way that the BJCP guidelines were structured is that it's front end loaded with lagers. It's all lagers at the front. And then once you finish, the, finish doing the lagers for three months, there are no more lagers in the entire BJCP guidelines. It's so weird. So I had to work around maturation time and stuff like that. But any given week, I would be brewing a beer. I would be transferring a beer from fermenter into keg. I would be serving a beer and tasting it. I would be editing and publishing a video of another beer, so that's four different beers. And then I would be coming up with a recipe for the next one and sending it to the home resort to get the recipe. So each week I had five different beers that I was juggling. It was insane. So how much time did I spend uh, researching each one? I would look up the style. I would typically go to Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine, Josh Weikert has an article on pretty much every beer style. So I'd read that. He would recommend what to use. Uh, that would be a good starting point. I'd see what else was on Beersmith and a couple of other, you know, homebrew talk and stuff like that. And then just try to come up with my own recipe that was at least a little bit different, maybe incorporated an ingredient that I liked. The homebrew store had a bit of a running joke that I would use English ingredients for things that were not English all the time. So we always knew where the recipe was coming from. Because I would just have that sort of tilt to it. And I just try to make it at least sufficiently different that people weren't going to be like oh he's plagiarized that from homebrew talk or something so yeah that's kind of how it went uh well in some defense like there are just some styles out there like pilsner that like i mean german czech whatever like how how original can you be i mean czech pilsner is going to have pilsner malton sots i mean really right right um yeah a lot of the styles were like that there was not much you could do um but I tried to put my own twist on it a little bit with each one, so it wasn't just brewing you know, the standard thing for everything. Uh, I think I used, I think I started off like using ale yeast for some lagers, and people got really upset about that, so I stopped doing that. But uh, yeah, we still see that in Brewlosophy, you know, fermenting lagers form and stuff like that. Uh, do you warm ferment your lagers now, or do you do traditional? Uh, well. I have to warm ferment the Hop Chronicles, so I do, but I, I just, I mean, I have a glycol system set up, so it's like no hardship whatsoever to do it cold, so I would, if I'm left to my devices, I just do it cold, because why not? So anyone that hates that the Hop Chronicles is warm fermented, um, blame me, because I told Marshall I didn't want to cold ferment that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's your fault, huh? Well, I mean, it's good, because it gets done quicker, and uh, often that is quite important. But I mean, I, I've only done two pale lagers for the Hop Chronicles so far. They both came out great. 
no. I don't have any complaints. Global at 64 is a beast. Um, uh, Craig, I see you got your hand up, buddy. Say something. Hey, so for the uh, latest video you did, it was like just short of seven minutes, but between like setting up, brewing, editing, and everything you got to do, how long does it actually take for you to make a video at seven minutes long? <laughs> Right? Seven minutes. How long could it take? <laughs> he, he was pointing when he started um, that video. <laughs> it takes forever. So, I mean, so the brew day, you know, I mean, we all know how long brew days take. So there's that, and I'm filming myself as I go, but I'm pretty, pretty efficient with that. Like I said, I've got the cameras all set up and whatnot, so I'm not having to prep, putting out tripods and all the rest of it. So, the brew day takes what a brew day takes. Uh, for some of the beers, like the one that came out this week, that was a, a Hop Chronicles one. It wasn't too long, so I'd script it for a couple of days, just sort of researching the hop, uh, film it, edit it. I would say maybe 10 hours of a lap time for that video. But for the some of the videos, they're quite, quite a bit harder than that, like the experiments. The experiments take forever. So you've got the double brew day to deal with where you're doing two things at once and filming, so that's kind of a pain. Um, then doubles the cleaning, double transfer time, all that sort of stuff. And then you have to do data collection, which takes a while. And then I'm trying to film little bits and pieces. So the entire video might be 10 minutes, but it might be shot over a course of six weeks where there is like six different days of shooting to put it all together. So I sort of completely underestimated how much work it was going to take to do some of these philosophy experiments and turn them into videos, especially when you add the data collection in, which I was never having to do with the homebrew challenge. Uh, so yeah, video is a bit of a beast. Like the editing is really slow as well. It takes hours and hours to edit because people generally don't want to watch just straight up talking heads, you know, just like me on screen talking the whole time. So every five to six seconds you need to be cutting either to another angle or to some b-roll or to something else so that's a lot of editing the editing takes a few hours as well this um, yes it's quite involved i'd like to get more efficient at it to be honest um or maybe i just need to worry less about it and just do the talking head stuff and maybe that's fine too well I, as someone that does experiments like as well, like I, I totally sympathize with the amount of time it takes just to brew the stupid beer, collect the data. And so you're adding, right. you know, and writing an article, you know, that's probably the, the simplest part of all of it because um, Marshall's a great editor and will will make you look good no matter what. So um, so really, like yes. I I totally relate to all of that because it's just such a stupid long process and the fact that you're adding video to it is amazing to me and the fact that you produce any experiments as many as you've done on youtube is, is fantastic so but when you see the articles like you know i used to read every philosophy article before i was even part of this right and you see it there's like six or seven screenshots of you know i added the this i added the malt and added the hops and then racked a keg and then here's the picture of the beer finished it's sort of you look at that and it's like Oh, you know, how much work was that? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, geez, you got to you know, design the recipe. And you know, for every beer we go through, we have a little group chat where we everyone reviews the, the recipe and talks about the variables and all this sort of stuff. There's quite a lot of thought that goes into it before you even start brewing. And you got to make sure you've procured the, all the ingredients. Like, do I have the hops I need? Did I buy enough, order enough yeast? 
because uh, we we get the yeast sent to us and I guess it's a little bit like the average brew thing right you have to sort of plan ahead um, Man. yeah it's more than I it's it's harder than I realized and when there's other people involved and everybody has to agree it's so different from when I was doing the homebrew challenge where I'd be like I'm gonna brew this style here's my recipe and then I'd be like you know what I actually have run out of uh, this particular malt I'm going to substitute it for this and I'm going to switch out the hops and oh I don't have the hops I'll just nip to the homebrew store and get them and uh, now I have to worry that we're using the hops from the right sponsor and all that sort of stuff so it's just all these sort of little things that add to the I, I don't know I just need to be more organized I think uh, Gary I said you need to invent the uh, Gary said you need to invent the short and shoddy version of video editing that's right that is totally what right um because going through the homebrew challenge, I got so optimized at every single part of that sucker, right? When you do the same thing every week for 99 weeks, you get, I, it's like, right, I'm going to do 30-minute mashes, 30-minute boils. Absolutely, screw it. You know, I'm just saved an hour right there every week times 99. Like, awesome. You know, and just every little area like that where you could take a little bit of time off. Switching to 240 volt. Now I don't have to wait for the thing to warm up and I can get from mash temperature to boil temperature super quickly um every little area that could be optimized was optimized so i guess it's a case of doing the same thing for this so um what was how many 60 minute mashes did you do before you joined brewlosophy versus now uh well <laughs> i hadn't done a 60 minute boil for probably over a year until brewlosophy um, the mashes sometimes, yeah, because I would just be like busy doing something else and just let it go. I mean, that's fine. But the, the set there waiting for the boil for an hour, I still today, it's like, what am I doing? That takes so long. I'm like, be cooling this thing down by now. You know, just add a few more hops for bittering. That's fine with that. Yeah, just a couple of, couple of pellets of Magnum. We're there. We're there. We don't need to do right, this anymore. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's exactly it. And like, I, for me, I mean, that was one of the, the cool things about, uh, Switching to 30-minute mash, 30-minute boil, I figured out, yeah, I do take a hit on my brew house efficiency. So I, would, I have a claw hammer system, and I would get around 68% brew house efficiency. If I did a 30-minute mash, 62 to 65, depending on the, the, the gravity of the air. But it was predictable, and I've just had a bit more grain, you know, to get to where I want it to be. And I did not notice any problems with any of the beers doing those short um, matches and boils so yeah I, i'm in the same boat i oh, was yeah. the same way i hadn't done a, a, a 60 minute mash or a full 60 minute boil and like until i joined brosby in like years so yeah right that's right so it's kind of funny going up but i mean i get it and i and also the doing the five gallons thing has been the other thing for me it's like i never want five gallons of what i've made on tap like almost never that's too much like there's so many other beers that need to be drunk, so I want to go on to the next one. But I understand the reason for doing it because that's the standard batch size. So that's what we well, also, um, how much shit we get talked to us on articles and comments and everything else? How much more shit actually we get talked to us if we didn't um, do all of these things? Right, right. It's just trying to make it the most applicable, I think, to the biggest audience. And if everyone's doing five gallons or 19 liters, that's what we should be doing too. But I mean, I'd be curious to know actually what you guys do. Like, is everybody doing like the traditional 60-60 mash and boil or 
changing heading it up and shortening it down a bit. Um, I, I, I if I don't. do it and watching the sports football game or something like that, I'll just leave, let it boil. It doesn't matter if it's a half hour or an hour. It's just sitting there. So same thing with the mash. So yeah. I don't make that many matches, not many uh, batches. I also make uh, 10 liter, 12 liter batches also. Just nice. Yeah. Ben said overnight nice. mashing. Exactly. Overnight mashing is a brilliant way to save some time. Oh, that is such a good trick. I, I started to get into that for some of the bigger beers um, of overnight mashing, especially if you have an electric system. I will just put the grains in before bed and then set it to 152 and just have it flick on and off the, the heating element overnight. Then in the morning, you're ready to go straight to the boil. That's a good one. So so I, I liked, like a lot of people here, I liked 40, 45 minute mashes, but that just gave me more time yep. to like kind of prep crap. Um, and that was really it. Cause like 30 minute mash on your brew day, like short and shoddy 30 minute mash, like 30 or less minute boil. Like it's a, it's a, it's a busy time. So, oh yeah. So, it, so uh, I thought there's some of the short and shoddy that have been 20 minutes for both of those things. It's too quick. I'm like, I'm not ready for the next stage when that happens. You don't even get your crap sanitized. Like you, you just like put your immersion word chiller. I like just put it straight in the freaking kettle. Cause I'm like, I don't have enough time to think about this. <laughs> Right, right. It's coming to exactly. a boil. Uh, Daniel, did you, you have your hand up? Do you have another question, buddy? Uh, since you're a technology guy, what kind of technology do you use for beer making other than ChatGPT you talked about? Do you have a digital hydrometer? Do you have, you know, yeast count equipment? Uh, what else do you have technology-wise? Uh, not, yeah, not much. So... Uh, well, so Will got me into this. I got uh, Raspberry Pi and connected up to some tilts. I haven't really got that running very well yet because I found that the tilt in the stainless steel fermenters has a really short uh, distance for the, the, yeah. the pie needs to be really close to the fermenters for that to work. But I kind of envisioned setting up a screen. So I have four fermenters connected to a glycol system and four tilts and I was like well I'll put one in each and then they can all report into the screen and I could see fermentation temperature and they're not super accurate I think for gravity readings but like a rough gravity reading at least um, so yeah I have that I do have the yeah the digital hydrometer kind of thing for the gravity readings that connects to my phone um, but that's about it it's a very not very high tech Okay. Is anyone using anything else high tech? Like, I should. Is there anything I should be using? I'm, I'm up for it. Do you have a pH meter? Yeah, uh, yeah. I do have a pH meter? Almost never use it, but I do have a pH meter. Yes. Yeah, people check oh, that. I'm, I'm unclear okay. that people check that, but it's okay. Yeah, I have a pH meter and a TDS meter, so I check my. I used to still water. Um, sorry, reverse osmosis water. So I'll, I'll just check my. Um, the output of that, but that's, that's about it. Yeah, I'm getting into pH, and and some people are all in, and some aren't, and it's just all over the place. And so you don't worry about it much. Do you do you use any like buffering agents or anything, or you're just you're just going? Uh, so I will just use uh, Brewfather, and it will you know once it put the water in there. Uh, if the pH, if the expected pH is going to be 
a little bit off for him to season of light malts. I will put a bit of lactic acid in based on what it says. If it says you want three milliliters of lactic acid, I'll throw that in okay. to the brewing water. But I very rarely actually check if it got me into the right pH range. So I don't know how accurate its uh, calculations are. Okay. I'm not any better. <laughs> I, yeah. I literally like I um, since I was moved to using like RO water, I don't I don't check pH hardly at all. Um, and most of the pH experiments of philosophy don't really come back significant. So I just kind of stopped caring. Although our water here is super um, basic, like it's very um, there's a whole bunch of uh, calcium carbonate in it. And so you kind of have to watch if you use the, the tap water. But for the actual if I'm using RO water, I don't care. Yeah, that's made a big difference to me. You switching to that and he froze mid-sentence or can y'all still hear him no my network it's your network is this your home network or is this someone else's network my back. you're back is no, this your home network yeah, or are you you have right. no i actually am back at home but i'm in a room far away from the router do you need me to come so up and design, redesign your Wi-Fi? Can improve that. Yeah, I'll, I'll come up and redesign yeah, your Wi-Fi, but let's hang out. Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just saying that the, the RO water has made a big difference to me. I did, um, I have a lot of chloramine in my water, and I was just using a water filter, like an RV camping water filter, and then I'd throw in a Camden tablet, if I remembered, which I didn't always remember. And uh, since I switched to RO, just the beers taste so much better. 100% agree. That's been the biggest change for me. All right, Daniel, you're the one with all the questions. Keep rolling because we're almost at an hour here. <laughs> I think I'm done now. Hold on. Okay. I've got my hand. I have to know this one question, Martin. What is your desert island beer? Oh, uh, commercial beer? Uh, whatever. Yeah, Guinness. It's not very original, but. Really? If I could just have one beer, Guinness with the nitro pour, you know, with the, the widget in the can. It's like, it's, it's, I could, if I could only drink one beer, that's the beer I'd have. I did not expect that. You surprised me, sir. <laughs> well, I have uh, Irish heritage, so I'm kind of required to say that, I guess. Irish you, heritage you, in English? What What's going on here, Martin? Irish mother, English father. Let's get out of this family tree now. Okay, let's go. <laughs> what what you were you gonna say? What were you gonna say, Daniel? Go ahead. Have you done any pressure fermenting? Yes. Yeah. Um, done quite a bit of pressure fermenting. So I've done um, using the spike fermenters I've got. Uh, they'll go up to about 15 psi. So pressure ferment about 12. And then uh, before that, I have Firmzilla. You can go much higher in those. Um, and then I have a spunning valve, which I'm going to apply to a keg as well. Really take it up there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I tried that with a few styles and get some pretty clean beers out of that. Uh, but, yeah, probably done, done it three or four times, but generally, generally I, I, I don't pressure ferment. Okay, Adam has his hand up. Martin, are you? Uh, I'll throw a non-beer related question at you. Who's gonna come in second at the British GP tomorrow? 
<laughs> he's going to come in second. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I don't follow this at all. You tell me. Oh, no. Okay. No. I figured I'd try. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people ask me, like, some people ask me, like, cricket questions or rugby questions. I have no idea <laughs> what they're talking about. Uh, right. So is there a sport of choice for Martin Keane? Yeah, uh, so soccer. Um, so my team is Southampton. They were a Premier League soccer team. Until this season, they finished bottom of the league, so they get relegated and they go down to the league below. So we don't really want to talk about that right now. Um, so so based off of that, like, do you think that the uh, MLS system would benefit from like a pyramid? It's, I mean, it makes it a lot more interesting, especially when you're a team that isn't very good because just the threat that you're going to get kicked out of the league, booted out of the league actually makes it quite interesting. And when you don't get booted out, it's like a cause for huge celebration that you finished fourth from last, you know, it's, so it's kind of cool like that. Um, but the American system is quite nice in that basically everybody gets a chance to be good at some point, pretty much. Whereas in, in the European system, it's just all about money. Whoever's the richest team will do well. And the teams near the bottom will never win the, when the title will be competitive so it is strange because yeah. we have like the mls and then we have like the uls and like i think we could do like a pretty good like pyramid here just so that we can make it a little more parody so yeah we're, lo- we're looking forward to messi showing up in north carolina for uh, one of the games that'd be fun I'm, I'm like we lost half our audience because we started talking about soccer but i'm i'm totally happy to talk about <laughs> soccer you, you want to talk about cameras next that's another topic that we start talking about when i do some of these live streams with the other youtubers we're like oh what about this video editing software and then suddenly oh we've lost half of the audience <laughs> i mean i can sit here and pick your brain about large language models for a whole day because that's super fascinating <laughs> to me but um but no, it's pretty awesome the work you do with your uh, tech company that will remain nameless and nobody finds your YouTube channel, your other YouTube channel. Uh, but uh, that's right. I'm gonna be commenting <laughs> on it every week now. But uh, but no, no, it's you, is it? You're the you're the one that's leaving those comments. No, I'm not smart enough to hide my name. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, we're right up on an hour. I'm happy to hang out with you as long as you want. I, obviously, I think you're amazing, Martin. I think I really do appreciate everything you bring to philosophy, everything you bring to the brewing community, everything you bring to to us and the brew tubers. Um, and so I could sit here and hang out with you all night, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, so is there anything we have for Martin? Or, or I mean, if you got all night, that's fine. We can hang out all night. But uh, but I just want I don't want to I want to honor your time, Martin. I'm gonna get told that I need to bringing out some dinner shortly so i will have to run in a minute but um yeah just sort of in general i just wanted to say like if there's some stuff that we can collaborate on so like yeah. hive mind thing for example or or some some other kind of will it brew stuff things like that i am looking for content ideas every week i have every week trying to try and come up with something new so ideas totally up for it if there's things you want to collaborate on i'm totally up for that as well so, so let's let Mark ask his question, and then you can ask us questions. How does that work? All right. So Mark, ask it. Hey, Martin. Uh, Mark Rose in Tucson, Arizona. I just wanted to tell you thank you. Uh, I love your videos, uh, you know, philosophy and everything that you do. And I know that some of these, a lot of these endeavors are kind of a labor of love. You don't do it because you're, you know, making a lot of money out of it. You do it because you love it and <laughs> building the community. And uh, thank you. Thank you for doing it. I appreciate it a lot. Oh, I appreciate that, Mark. Yeah, yeah. I, 
turned, it turns out you're not going to become a millionaire doing homebrewing stuff. It's like, what a surprise. Who could have forecast that? <laughs> no shit, right? Like, <laughs> I'm in the same boat. I'm like, I'm not quitting my day job. All right, so what, what questions do you have for us real quick, Martin? Well, so I know about Average Brew. What else do you guys do um, in terms of, of brewing projects? Answer that one, Haven. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Uh, average Brew is our big one. Uh, we had to work a little bit creatively with being an online club to get people to participate. Uh, if we just put out a recipe and said brew it, there'd be like two people that would brew it and it wouldn't be too exciting. Uh, so this is one way to get people involved, get them trying new styles and stuff like that. I, I don't know, Will. We don't really do any other big projects or big brewing projects. We do Brew Santa uh, so we we all submit for Brew Santa in kind of October, November-ish. And then Will will pair us up with people across the country to where we'll just then send beer to each other, commercial and homebrew, so we can uh, we can do that. That's a lot of fun. Um, I get people, I do get people to send in beer for competitions. Actually, I just, I had my earbud in. I just won bronze at Indiana State Fair today. So that was kind of cool. Um, so we do, nice. a lot, we're trying to, focus on doing some competitive brewing and getting people out uh, to try that. And it's not as scary as, as you would think. So those are kind of our big things. Uh, Trevor said, yeah, brew club experiments. I'm sure you've read a couple of those. And Oh yeah. 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 Uh, the Gatorade one. I mean, Michael, he, uh, yeah, he brews some wild beers. He was on one of our meetings to talk about his Gatorade beer and some of the other stuff that he brews is just like, it's off the chain. I don't, I wouldn't even think of half the stuff that he does. Um, yeah, I, we have a couple other ideas of different, like, swaps and stuff like that we can do later this year, so that'll be, that'll be coming, that'll be kind of fun, but that's about it. Well, we also the do trivia was... on our Discord channel, Haven, so really, you oh, forgot the most important thing. Discord, that's right. Yeah. We, yeah, we do Discord, we, that's our, that's kind of our big, like, that thing's all, I, there hasn't been a single day that there hasn't been something talked about on that Discord channel, which is awesome um it's just a fun little community to chat with and then yeah we do i'll put together some trivia nights uh different topics on brewing and i'm working on the one with our first non-brewing topic well not not brewing beer maybe um so that'll be kind of fun and just give away prizes and hang out and test some knowledge and i always like to everyone always hears the topic and thinks oh i got this and then i throw some curveballs at them and just like dig deep in the weeds for some crazy questions and I love seeing people just get stumped on it. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, Martin Keane's favorite football team coming up next uh, trivia night. Manchester United. <laughs> no. Yeah, he, loves, he loves me. No. Yeah. I don't want to hear that. Uh, more of a city guy. <laughs> <laughs> so so when um, when Marshall does the average brew tastings, when he's have, you know, he has a bunch of people talking about the beers, are you, are you giving each other shit when, when they, you know, they, they like talk about each of the beers and which ones they like and which ones they don't? We, yes. we did. And then we started doing a trivia to how predictable they we or uh, not trivia a bingo card for how predictable they are talking about <laughs> Miller Lite, Juniper, all that kind of stuff. We put we did a, like a collective kind of a collected all the ideas of like just Marshallisms and stuff like that that they say on the podcast, and we all oh, did a bingo pretty. card. <laughs> just stop. Yeah. And what's even better is that the the bingo card looks like it comes from some sketchy website that's going to just infect you with malware. It was terrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Oh, I love I love that idea. Yeah. 
I don't think we told Marshall about that one. That sounds pretty funny. They probably are like 12 core phrases every every time they're going to show up. Oh, you bet. <laughs> okay, keep, keep going with the questions, Martin. We, you're the one on borrowed time. Yeah, no, I got to run. I got to run. I was told I was going to bring takeout food at eight, which is now 10 minutes ago. Um, so. Thank you very much for having me on. This has been a blast. It's it's actually it's really cool that you guys are doing this as like a an online version of a homebrew club. I guess it probably took a lot of planning. You know, the nice thing about a regular homebrew club is like everyone just brings a beer and you you suddenly got something to talk about, but it probably takes a bit more effort when everybody's remote. So um, yeah, thanks for having me on. This is uh, this has been fun. Yeah, summer summer we're down a little bit depending on the month, but um, usually when Ball rolls back around, people get more on a, a schedule, and it, it, it turnouts a little bit higher. So sorry to have you on a low production month here, Martin. But uh, but but I really, you know, I love you, brother. Yeah, I think I think you're, you're fantastic, and I'm so glad that you came and shared some time with us. Absolutely. Yeah. No, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. What is the best way to contact you? Do you have a, a philosophy uh, email? Yep, Martin. Philosophy. I got cut off. All of us are first name at brewlosophy.com, and you can reach us there. Um, okay. And harass us yep. endlessly, yep. or you can just comment on his YouTube channel and and say some <laughs> hateful stuff on his YouTube channel, and he'll he'll respond to that too, probably. Join the club. Join the club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks All right, a man. lot. Go make your wife happy, Martin. All right. Cheers, guys. Later. Thanks, See you guys. Thanks. Bye. See you later. Thank you.